Hello, and welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the devil's issue so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Andrews. Joining us for this episode are our returning guests, librarian and recovering V.C. Andrews fan, Stacy, and world chess champion, Sophie. Welcome, guys. Hi. All right. And this was a book that uh, I had never read before. And I know that Stacy had read it when she was a child because she references it a lot in just day-to-day life. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. And uh, and Sophie had just read it fairly recently and was anxious to discuss it with the world. So here we are. It's weird because I also, well, maybe a child. I probably read it when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. And um, it was one of those things where I had always heard people talk about it as being, like, super racy. (laughs) And I saw it on the shelf in my high school library where I would go at lunch instead of having friends (laughs) and took it off the shelf and was like, well, I'm too embarrassed to take this out, but I'll read it on my lunch breaks. And overall, at the time, ended up being really disappointed that it was not actually as racy as I had imagined it to be. I'm like 99% sure that was because I had discovered uh, fan fiction when I was like 10 and around the age (laughs) of 13 had started clicking the yes I am over 18 button on all of the websites so I had read much worse things by that point. (laughs) Kate I have a kind of similar story the library thing um I I read Flowers in the Attic, and that prompted me to read the entire series. And then I used to go to the library after school while I waited to get picked up, and I would sit in the, you know, my junior high library reading the other V.C. Andrews books and not (laughs) checking them out while I waited for my dad to pick me up (laughs) because I was too embarrassed to commit to the other ones. But I read, you know, plenty of other V.C. Andrews. Well, meanwhile, in my library, um, I checked this book out. We had we own four copies, and three of them are stolen. <laughs> and then, um, so I checked out our one remaining one, and I read it for this podcast. And then I was really annoyed because I couldn't renew it because there was a hold on it. But I was hoping that it would come back in time that maybe I could check it out again. But um, it hasn't, and I'm wondering if that one will come back at all either. Like, these books, I I think people don't want to buy them, maybe. They just want to get them. Yeah, Yeah, the the later ones are much sexier, I will say. Like, um, because I, I too, I was kind of disappointed when I read Flowers in the Attic, and I was like, you know, it's not really that explicit. Um, The second book is, like, nonstop boning. (laughs) yeah i guess before we get too much further into talking about the boning let's just give a brief (laughs) plot summary for anyone who didn't furtively read these already um or this one in particular um and it is the story of the dollenganger family am i saying that right dollenganger sure okay (laughs) the dolls and they there's four children um Kathy and Chris and then younger twins who are uh Corey and Carrie yes and early on in the book they're you know we see how much their parents love each other and they're they're a really affectionate couple and then the dad dies 
and they have to go off and live with their grandmother, who it turns out um, is a bitch, and she (laughs) makes them live in the attic because if their grandfather finds out he's there, he'll kick them out because it turns out that her mother, their mother had married their, what, her step-uncle? Step-uncle. Half-uncle. Half-uncle. Yes. And so um, they're, the, ch- the children are the devil's issue, the product of incest, and the grandparents are not having it. So they have to live trapped in this one attic room and follow all these weird rules that the grandmother wrote because she's very concerned that they're going to follow in their their parents' incestuous footsteps. Yeah, they um, initially, when they get there, their mother, who's been, like, kind of weird since their father died, but they kind of chalk it up to grief, had been like, it'll be, like, a week max that you guys will have to stay up here and I'll win back my father's um, affection and he'll put me back in the will because I was disinherited. And that's what they, they need money because they're super in debt. Um, And then once that happens, I'll introduce him to you guys and he can't help but love you and everything will be okay. And then she's like, well, it's, he's really sick and he's going to die soon, but you know, I'm working on it and I'm going to secretarial school. So I need to, so I can get a job to provide for you in case the will thing falls through. So it's going to be like a couple more weeks and it stretches further and further out and she becomes more and more disinterested with the kids um, as time goes on. And, like, the twins who are, like, four when they first go up in the attic start to talk to, uh, about Kathy as if she's their mother and as if Chris is their father. And they kind of forget about their mother altogether. And they become this, like, little self-sufficient, weird mom, dad, two kids family up in these attic rooms. So it becomes this weird sort of self-fulfilling incestual prophecy. Yes. Yes. And as I read it, I was just really not sure what the appeal here was. Like, I know that these are very popular and and I, I get that it's the taboo, but to me it was really hard to get through because the dialogue is so like overwrought and, you know, it's like very gothic but it, they just talk so much and so at length, and it's very full of these religious diatribes. And eventually, like, my theory is that it taps into this kind of, like, fantasy of, like, well, like, you know, someday I'll just die, and then my parents will <laughs> regret that they were ever so mean to me. And this, I think, just kind of taps into that sense of of adults are like cruel and senseless and nobody understands how hard it really is to be a kid and this i mean these kids are fucking pathetic like they they don't get enough sunlight and so they're really sickly and they just have all these super pathetic problems and i guess like other books that we've read a lot of it does have the sense of being like hurt comfort fan fiction (laughs) with a, a incestuous twist to it (laughs) Yeah, there's like, the whole, they're up there, I think, for three years total. So over the course, like the kind of way that it spins out into this incesty thing is that Chris and Carrie, who are like 14 and 12, when they first get up there. No, Chris and Kathy. Kathy. 
yeah, Chris and Kathy, who are 14 and 12 when they first get up there, start to go through puberty, and there is literally no other teenagers around except for each other. (laughs) So they start to, plus, like, you know, they're playing as father and mother, and they both have, like, really creepy pseudo-incestual obsessions with their parent of the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. Like, Kathy worships her father and thinks all the time about how she wants to find a man who's as perfect and beautiful and wonderful as her father was. And when her mother got pregnant with the twins, she cried and threw a fit because she didn't want her father to love any other children as much as he loved her. And Chris, despite the mother basically abandoning them for three years, continues to think that she's like perfect and working towards their goal and the goal of, of freeing them and talking about how beautiful she is. So as they go through puberty, they wind up when stuck in this room together, you know, getting into each other, which is a thing that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think also, I don't know. I'm still at this question of what the appeal is. I think Renata both things she said are totally true I think there's also that weird sort of forbidden sociological aspect to it when put in this situation what would happen and there's kind of that perversity of seeing it play out and I I just recently finished Amy Poehler's book and I think there's a point where she mentions that that Austrian guy who locked his daughter in the basement and you know had a had kids with her mm-hmm. and there and she was and Amy Poehler was saying in the book her book how she had that weird fascination with news stories like that and that just sort of made me think while I was reading I was like yeah maybe that was what I was thinking when I kept reading <laughs> BC Andrews I don't know yeah or like recently that there was that post that was really popular about a woman who had recently found her adopted father or she uh, oh my god! Oh, not her, her actual oh. father, who she hadn't Dating been raised with. Yeah. Oh my god! And I, I mean, we all read that and we're like, oh my Absolutely. god! <laughs> I blog that was linked in that post. I read like five pages back. I read like every interview that guy had with like people who were dating their relatives. I could not stop. Yeah, and yeah. it's like I definitely do not want to date my dad. Um, <laughs> You know, no offense, Dad, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, reading about it is like whoa, like yeah, it's definitely captivating. And that to me, yeah, I don't know where he's going with that. It is definitely, I think the true stories are more interesting than this, just yeah. in the way that almost any tr- like true story has that little extra bit of compelling flavor to it than fiction. But I guess to just quickly wrap up how the book ends. So they're they're trapped up there for three years and like not much happens. It's just a lot of dialogue and like, you know, sexual tension between Kathy and Chris. And they start um, sneaking out to steal money because they figure if their mother isn't going to help them, they need to help themselves. So they start, they make a copy of the key that they use, the grandmother and mother use to lock them in the room and start sneaking out at night to steal money from the mother who just kind of leaves it all over the place in her bedroom. They find out that the mother has married her father's lawyer and 
she like refuses to introduce the kids to him or even tell him that she has kids. So they start stealing from him too. And one day when Kathy is the one doing the stealing, um, she finds him asleep in the bedroom. And instead of leaving, she walks over and kisses him. And uh, these kids he, are messed up. Yeah, they're they're really messed up. Um, and they the Corey, the twin boy, um, gets very very sick and dies. And the mom takes him to a hospital before he dies, or claims to, and says that he died of pneumonia. So they kind of speed up their timeline to get out faster. And Chris, on one of his trips downstairs to steal money overhears a conversation between the mom and her new husband where the husband talks about a dream he had where a beautiful young girl in a nighty kissed him <laughs> on the mouth <laughs> <laughs> like you do <laughs> i thought he dreamed of her as a ballerina i don't know how why i remember that but whatever <laughs> it was something no, like it was, that it was definitely a nighty because like <laughs> Kathy had really sexy pajamas. Like that is a reoccurring theme in the book. Is Kathy's like super sexy negligees and stuff? Oh, yeah, that the mom keep because the mom keeps giving them really expensive gifts to buy them off, including yeah, like sexy dresses and like night. But she night won't buy her a bra. Right. She will not buy her a bra, but she will buy her like super sexy sheer negligees <laughs> to wear around her fourteen-year-old mother. She's just greasing the wheels. <laughs> She yeah. definitely describes it as being, like, a beautiful, sheer, lacy, like, super short nighty with, like, matching lacy panties underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, there's a few other bombshells that they find when they're poking around the house, um, which is that the grandfather has been dead for, like, a year. And yeah. so the whole time the mom has been telling them, well, as soon as the grandfather dies and I'll inherit all this, you guys can get out of the attic. They find out that's not the case, obviously, because he is dead. And then also they realize that uh, the mom has been poisoning them and they are dying. Yeah, that's why <laughs> Corey got so sick. <laughs> it was not pneumonia like she says, um, but because they've been putting arsenic in these donuts they've been feeding them. And after a while, because, like, the grandmother would bring up a picnic basket full of the whole day's worth of food, and it was all kind of gross, and the twins would, after a while, only eat the donuts that are covered in arsenic, um, <laughs> so they, like, died much faster. Um, but before, so in between, before they find out that the mother killed Corey and is trying to kill all of them, after Chris... I feel like this is, because I'm sure we'll discuss it later, so I want to say it now. Um, Chris finds out about the kiss, and he's so enraged by the thought of anyone touching Kathy that essentially they get into a fight, and he pushes her down onto this, like, old, dirty mattress and kind of rapes her. Oh, it, he does. It's, it's one of those, like, it definitely is a rape, but while it's happening, Kathy's like, oh, well, I kind of wanted it, so... <laughs> It wasn't really like he raped me. And then later when he says, like, I forced myself on you, like, I'm sorry. She's like, no, you didn't. Like, I wanted it to. I could have stopped you, but I didn't. But it definitely is a rape. <laughs> like, it definitely, it's definitely is. He's yeah. mad. He pushes her down. He forces himself on her. And then she's like, 
but what are you gonna do right i mean we do know we have had hundreds of pages of her sort of lusting after him before this like low-key but yeah, she um, spends a lot of time like admiring his physique and his bulge yeah. at least once yeah oh yeah but i've already heard that our 50 shades of gray episode excused abuse so i i think we need oh. to come down and say hardcore <laughs> Don't rape your sister. We don't support that. <laughs> or anyone. Don't rape anyone is the official worst bestsellers stance. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> that said she was kind of asking for it. <laughs> I think I go think, like... <laughs> Oh my god. I, I think part of the tone of it, if you can extract the incest from it for a like a tenth of a second, is sort of in the same line as a lot of that sort of borderline rape thing that happens in romance novels. Like a woman can't, you know, really say that this is the thing that she wants, so he just takes it from her or whatever it is. Yeah, it, exactly. It's it's a, you know, ravishing Fabio romance novel, but mm-hmm. with siblings trapped in an attic instead of yeah. Fabio and you a know. dame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say during... Uh, oh, wait, are we, we're still recapping it, right? I'm uh, sorry. You know, it meanders. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been just, like, sitting on my hands because I've read the whole series and I'm just, like... You know, um, chewing well, guess, my fingers. Yeah, let's finish. So uh, they yeah. they figure out the poisoning. The three surviving children escape, and it it ends. We don't really know like where they're going next. Just that they've kind of gotten out of there. Yeah, she. Um, they have. They figure out it's poisoning because they feed one of the donuts to, um, Corey's pet my- mouse, and it dies. So they save the donuts and the mouse as evidence. And when they're waiting for a bus out of there in the town after they escape, Chris is like, well, we could go to the police or we couldn't. It's your call, Kathy. And Kathy, like, really wants revenge against the mother and the grandmother. Uh But she ultimately decides she'll get her own revenge and just throws it in the garbage. I think the implication is so that they won't have to go to the foster care system yeah yeah they don't want to be separated and also kathy is really mentally unhealthy um i mean they all are i well, no kathy especially is like fucked up so she just you know she wants to just burn everything to the ground yeah also uh fictional plucky fictional children never want to go into foster care they would always prefer to like live in the alley or like whatever yeah and they're no exception yeah that's weird that is i'd never thought of that as like a theme before in young adult literature but that's really common that's strange Move to foster care, I guess. Yeah, the, the foster care system needs to start implanting people into the young adult literature industry to like get them some better press. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so that that concludes book one, and now, yeah, Stacy, definitely, please feel free to tell us about their further adventures because I don't want to read any more of this. Yeah, I mean, there there is way too much for me to even because it would just turn into this rambling, yeah. rambling just. Because there's also a prequel that focuses on the grandmother, and so much, so much happens. Cliff's notes after they uh, 
leave the attic. They are taken in by this doctor who senses there's something weird going on. And Kathy, I think, has a miscarriage that she potentially yeah. did yeah. conceive from that, that attic event. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. And more the doctor, devil's issue. And the, there is real devil's issue, or more <laughs> devil's issue. And the doctor who takes them in, like, Kathy's in his office at one point and sees, like, the fetus he's keeping in a jar. That's potentially <laughs> that. And, you know, there's this, this continuous, like, Chris is obsessed with Kathy, and Kathy just keeps trying to move on in every way possible. She has this crazy, weird uh, flirtation and eventually sexual affair with the doctor who's taken them in. Mm -hmm. She ends up uh, enrolling in ballet classes and gets involved with the ballet owner's son, who turns in, that turns into an abusive marriage later. Um, and then Kathy eventually... I can't remember how she breaks away from that marriage either. That I he think dies. Allie, no, he becomes parallel. No, no, that's her son. No, he dies. Yeah, he, <laughs> oh, he dies. He kills <laughs> her, and then he like goes out in his sports car with the other ballerina that he was cheating on her with, and they yeah. die in a fiery crash. There you and go. She's just like, it. all right, cool. He dies. <laughs> but like, the, the baby's born even right because they named yeah, the baby she's after pregnant, him. She's pregnant with his child. Who yeah. she names Jory because. <laughs> The husband's name began Julian. with J. Julian plus Corey. Yes. So uh. then, so then, uh, <laughs> Kathy moves with Jory and Carrie uh, into a house that's not far away from Foxworth Manor, whatever it's called, mm -hmm. and is sort of planning that her new life's going to be plotting revenge on everybody in the house, <laughs> and takes up with her mother's new husband, Bart. Yes, and Bart has an affair well. with him, has a kid with him, Bart Jr., who turns out to be like a hellion later. <laughs> <laughs> and Kathy extracts her revenge while the grandmother is lying paralyzed on her deathbed. She dresses up in her ballerina and whips her. Yeah, like just basically tortures her, like full on torture tortures the grandmother yes. while she's like laying there yeah, paralyzed and, like, and she and kathy's like dancing around the room she's like doing pirouettes and shit while yeah, she's dancing doing it. And, like, and she's like you know, monologuing and being like you know telling the grandmother what she's doing like in detail right it's while nuts. she like horse whips her so. yeah it is not so it is not so this seems so. like it's like very formative kink for a lot of people oh <laughs> No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's happy. So, um, she yeah. makes a replica of this dress that her mother wore in the first book when they go and they spy on the Christmas party. Mm. Um, she like gets all the details right. She she basically like dresses up as her mother, and she shows up at this party, and she's like, "Mother, it's me, Kathy." And uh, Bart Winslow is there, and he's just like, "Oh, ha ha ha! What a funny joke!" Oh, Kathy, you're so you're such a kidder. And uh, somehow, during all of this, uh, the mansion burns down, and mm -hmm. everyone dies. <laughs> or do they? <laughs> or do they? No, and the grandmother definitely dies. I'm the pretty sure. Dies, and she thinks the mother dies, and and uh, Chris and Kathy eventually are like. All right, let's just move far away where nobody knows who we are and just like live our lives the and way we really to be want to. 
Yeah, we're going to pretend to be husband and wife, and we're going to pretend that all of these children are actually ours. Yeah. Did you Kathy's already kids. talk about the part where she hooks up with the doctor who saved them? Oh, yeah. I mean, we kind of glossed over that, but yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look. I mentioned that. And she, well, and then she, oh, yeah, she ma- she marries him. Yeah. yeah. Right. He dies. Sorry, another and then man. he dies. And then yeah. he dies, and then finally they're like, let's go live our lives. And they're, they're living somewhere else, doing their thing, and then a mysterious woman and her butler move in next door. <laughs> and this woman starts developing this really close relationship with Bart Jr., um, who is the, the issue of, <laughs> of Kathy and her sort of stepfather. And uh, it turns out it is their mother who is trying to make amends. And I think, like, she's always wearing her face cover because maybe she has scars from the fire yeah i think that i know at the end of the lifetime movie she was like they showed her like in an insane asylum but i haven't read this i haven't actually read the third book but i think that's how they ended up is that she basically like goes crazy i don't i think that there is a period where she had to take a break from life and do that Mm -hmm. and then decided to come and stalk her children yeah. <laughs> and reconnect she it at the end of the second book and then yeah. she gets out and then that's okay. when she she moves to yeah to, to the house next door and and so bart jr is this total like textbook future serial killer like he's killing animals and that's a really like i really don't like that book that one's kind of upsetting <laughs> It's um, a yeah, five. It's a adopt... the killing animals thing. I couldn't stick with it. <laughs> well, because they I adopt the too, um, Kathy and Chris, because they, I think Kathy can't have kids anymore. Plus, she doesn't want to chance it with Chris. So they end up adopting this little girl because Carrie kills herself. Yeah. Because her, she, she um, like she had been wooing this boy had been wooing her but he was going to be a minister but she was afraid to be around him because he was so holy and she was the devil's issue (laughs) and garbage and she ends up killing herself so Mm -hmm. they adopt another little girl what (laughs) he kills herself with poison donuts oh my god thank you correct This, Where this did she get the poison these... donuts? Was it like the same ones that they've been saving as evidence for no, years? No, I know. So, like, she, she made new ones. She makes her own batch. Yeah. <laughs> this book, these series of books are nothing if not like meta to the maximum. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything comes back constantly. Not just the incest, but everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the, and then, ugh, I, I mean, then there's like the fourth book where Kathy and Chris are now senior citizens and and uh, Bart has rebuilt Foxworth Manor. It just turns into this, like, it just keeps going on and on and on. But, and then in the prequel, you find out that Chris and Kathy's parents are closer related than they, than they are in the original Flowers in the Attic purports them to be. They, they share a father. Well. Yeah. yeah. So a great series <laughs> this is I, bonkers i was on amazon looking up something else and then i was ended up on the flowers in the attic page for some other reason and um all roads lead there i was looking at the reviews for one of the other ghosts written because i think bc andrews died after writing mm-hmm. the third one so all subsequent ones were ghost written and um 
the freaking people who love these books are really mad about it. <laughs> I was reading the reviews on one of the subsequent books that's like, it takes place in modern times and it's like a girl finds a secret journal that Chris kept when he was in the attic and Ooh. reads it. And like the comments on Amazon, the reviews were so mad at these people, quote unquote, like perverting <laughs> DC Andrews, beautiful characters and ideas. Apparently the original one was based on a true story that BC Andrews read about. Like, she read it in a newspaper somewhere that there was a woman who had, like, been keeping her children in the attic somewhere. But I don't know if anyone's ever been able to confirm that. Like, I don't know if they've ever actually found the story that she said she based it on. Hmm. One thing I do know about V.C. Andrews, or at least this is something I remember from looking up on her, that she was just sort of this... um, I don't... Housebound, for lack of a better way to put it. She... She had injured herself and she was kind of in a wheelchair and living with her mother and just was sort of like, you know, stuck inside all the time. So I don't know if that partly was how she might have related to a story like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And she has several other series, too, that – so there are so many V.C. Andrews series that are ghostwritten, but there are a few I think that she also did write, and I have read some of them or skimmed them probably for the sex parts as a 12-year-old <laughs> in the library um, that are all just incest, all mm-hmm. of them. So, well, you know, when you find what works, you just go with it. She's nothing if not, not consistent, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, I'm reading V.C. Andrews' Wikipedia page. <laughs> Um, she was the youngest child and only daughter of the Andrews family. As a teenager, Andrews suffered a fall from a school stairwell, resulting in severe back injuries. The subsequent surgery to correct these injuries resulted in Andrews suffering from crippling arthritis that required her to use crutches and a wheelchair for much of her life. Yeah. And her real name is Cleo Virginia, right? So it's really C.V. Andrews. Yeah. It's also good to know that she doesn't have any siblings. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's good. That really Wait, is no, it says youngest child and only oh. daughter. Oh, fuck, I heard only child. Okay, yeah. No, only daughter. Good. That's bad. She's probably crushing all her bros. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, yeah. I, don't, I don't see... Wikipedia doesn't say how many brothers she had, but just that she was the youngest child I mean, and only daughter. Yeah, as long as I mean, even if there's just one, right? That's like you need to be on red alert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I feel like I've learned a lot personally, <laughs> and uh, let's move on to our dramatic readings and just really dig into some of this weird, weird prose. Yeah. Um. So first off. We're going to read when they're up in the attic. Um, so only the grandmother and the mother know about them. And the grandmother is super obsessed with them not following their in their parents' footsteps. So she literally gives them this list of like 20 rules that they have to abide by in order to stay up in the attic. And if they don't, if they break any of the rules, she'll beat them. <laughs> All right, so we're just, um, we're going to take turns reading these, and uh, please, as you listen, please follow them. (laughs) All right. One, you are always to be fully dressed. 
Two, you will never take the Lord's name in vain and will always say grace before each meal. And if I am not in this room to see you do that, you may be sure that he above will be listening and and watching. Three, you are never to open the draperies, not even to peek out. Four, you will never speak to me unless I speak to you first. (laughs) Five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, you are going to get a bunch of tar in your hair. I was just thinking about how this compares to Christian Gray's contract. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not totally different. Not at all. Okay. Five. You will keep this room neat and orderly, always with the beds made. Uh, you are never to be idle. You will devote five hours each day to studying and use the remainder of your time to develop your skills in some meaningful way. If you have any skills, abilities, or talents, you will seek to improve upon them. And if you have no abilities or talents or skills, you will read the Bible. And if you cannot read, then you will sit and stare at the Bible and try to absorb through the purity of your thoughts the meaning of the Lord and his ways. Seven, you will clean your teeth after breakfast each day and before retiring each night. Eight, if I ever catch boys and girls using the bathroom at the same time, I will quite relentlessly and without mercy peel the skin from your backs. Nine, you will, all four, be modest and discreet at all times, in deportment, in speech, and in thought. Ten, you will not handle or play with the private parts of your bodies, nor will you look at them in the mirrors, nor will you think about them even when you are cleansing those parts of your bodies. Eleven, (laughs) you will not allow wicked, sinful, or lusting thoughts to dwell in your minds. You will keep your thoughts clean, pure, and away from wicked subjects that will corrupt you morally. Twelve, You will refrain from looking at members of the opposite sex unless it is absolutely necessary. Thirteen. Those of you who can read, and I hope (laughs) at least two of you can, will each alternately take turns reading aloud from the Bible at least one page per day so the two younger children will benefit from the Lord's teachings. Fourteen. You will bathe daily and clean the ring from the tub and keep the bathroom as spotless as it was when you found it. Fifteen, you will each learn, including the twins, at least one quote from the Bible per day. And if I so request, you will repeat to me such quotes as I demand as I keep track of what passages you have read. Sixteen, you will eat all of the food I bring to you and not waste one single bit or throw it away or hide it away. It is sinful to waste good food when so many in this world are starving. Seventeen. You will not stride about in the bedroom wearing only your nightclothes, even if you are only going from bed to bath or bath to bed. You will at all times wear a robe of some kind over your nightclothes and over your undergarments if at some time you feel the need to suddenly leave the bathroom without fully dressing yourself so that another child may enter in an emergency. I demand that everyone who lives under this roof be modest and discreet in all things and in all ways." 18. You will stand at attention when I enter your room with your arms straight down at your sides. You will not clench your hands into into fists to to show silent defiance, nor will you allow your eyes to meet with mine. 
nor will you seek to show signs of affection towards me, nor hope to gain my friendship, nor my pity, nor my love, nor my compassion. All of that is impossible. Neither your grandfather nor myself can allow ourselves to feel anything for what is not wholesome. Guys, like those last two, those are like <clears throat> word for word the same as Mr. Gray. <laughs> no food wasting, no touching, no black power fists. <laughs> so yeah, we, we could piece by piece go through and describe how Kathy and Chris violate every yeah. single one of those. It's almost like textbook, basically. Yeah. Like, immediately. They're just like, well, we're not going to do any of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, in yep. some of those rules, it's like, why you wouldn't even think about that at all unless you were, like, a pervy grandma. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, because even when they start, like, when she first gives them to them, they think it's so crazy that, like, why would she have a problem with this? Why would she make them do these things? Like, it makes no sense to them. Um, and then obviously, like, puberty happens, and they're like, oh, so that we don't sexy sex each other. But <laughs> I guess the the one thing that we didn't mention in our read-through that is kind of important is that um, Kathy's, like, super vain about her hair. And one day when she is, like, starting to get boobs and things, she takes all their clothes off when she thinks no one else is around to look at herself in the mirror. And Chris comes in and sees her and starts perving on her. And the grandmother walks in and um, threatens to cut all her hair off unless something happens. Either either she has to um, cut off all her hair or none of the kids get food for a week, I think. Yeah. So she tries to hold out and then the grandmother puts tar in her hair while she's sleeping. She Mm -hmm. drugs her and then puts tar in her hair. Yeah, so that they're forced to, To to cut her hair off. What she calls mm. the front part of her hair, but it's never really clear. Is what... that bangs or what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, it's very weird. It's and very there's a very, with, like, written. long and sort of sensual scene about Chris taking the tar out of her hair lovingly yeah. and fixing her up. <laughs> Turning her out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, so that's the, that's why yeah. when she breaks into the mansion to torture the grandmother, mm-hmm. she's like pouring wax on her and stuff. Mm. It somehow is a revenge for the tar incident, I guess. And it's it's I think like you get from the prequel is that the the grandmother has been like totally like she's just got this huge bitter chip on her shoulder because her husband, you know, was cheating on her and having incest and making more <laughs> incest. And so all of this is just, she's just projecting onto them. Big time. Her experiences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, e- even without all the backstory, like it's clear from the start that she's projecting at least her issues about um, the daughter Mm-hmm. because yeah because all this stuff like if you're a, a kid you don't even think about this stuff until your grandma writes it in a list for you <laughs> yeah anyway there you go well and corinne isn't her biological daughter so she like already always hated her mm. so ooh, not but you're right backstory not necessary but but adds, adds even more layers mm-hmm. to that, for totally sure. Totally. More petals on the wind. <laughs> More seeds of yesterday. 
<laughs> All right. Um, next yeah. up, Kate and I are going to read a scene. Um, and this, there's a lot of sort of similar scenes of this where there's just like really overwrought musings about puberty. Um, <laughs> and here's one. And um, I'll be Kathy and Kate will be Chris. Each day that passed brought about changes in Chris and in me. Peculiar things were happening to our bodies. We grew hair where we hadn't had hair before. Funny-looking, crispy, amber-colored hair, darker than what was on our heads. I didn't like them, and I took the tweezers and plucked them out whenever they appeared. But they were like weeds. The more you plucked, the more came back. Chris found me one day with my arm upraised, seeking diligently to grasp one single, crinkly amber hair and ruthlessly yank it out. What the heck are you doing? I don't want to have to shave under my arms, and I don't want to use that depilatory cream that Mama uses. It stinks. You mean you've been pulling hairs from your body wherever they appear? Sure I do. I like my body nice and neat, even if you don't. You're fighting a losing battle, he said with a wicked grin. That hair is supposed to grow where it does, so leave it alone and stop thinking about looking childishly neat and begin to think of that hair as sexy. (laughs) Sexy? Big bosoms were sexy, not crinkly, wiry hair. But I didn't say this, for little hard apples were beginning to poke out my chest, and I just hoped Chris hadn't noticed. I was very pleased I was beginning to swell out in front, when I was alone in a private place, but I didn't want anyone else to notice. I had to abandon that forlorn hope, for I saw Chris glance quite often at my chest, and no matter how loosely my sweaters or blouses fitted, I believe those little hills betrayed my modesty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sexy underarm hair. Yep. So, I mean, you can see what I mean about Kathy asking for it. Those little apples. <laughs> right, which leads up to the oh, lucky, yeah. lucky uh, excerpt that Sophie and I get to read. <laughs> oh, God. Well, this is, this, is the, this is the moment. This is the moment that, you know, every 12-year-old reading the book, where the book would be completely creased to, <laughs> if you were to drop it on the floor, it would fall <laughs> open to this point. Yeah. <laughs> So here, here's that pivotal moment. Here's Chris. Uh, You're mine, Kathy. Mine. You'll always be mine. No matter who comes into your future, you'll always belong to me. I'll make you mine tonight. Now. I didn't believe it. Not Chris. And I did not fully understand what he handed mind, nor, if I am to give him credit, do I think he really meant what he said. But passion has a way of taking over. <laughs> we fell to the floor, both of us. I tried to fight him off. We wrestled, turning over and over, writhing, silent, a frantic struggle of his strength against mine. It wasn't much a struggle. I had the strong dancer's legs, he had the biceps, the greater weight and height, and he had much more determination than I to use something hot. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Something... (laughs) Use what? (laughs) something hot swollen and demanding so much it stole reasoning from and sanity from him and i loved him i wanted what he wanted if he wanted it that much right or wrong somehow we ended up on that old mattress that filthy smelly stained mattress that must have known lovers long before this night and that is where he took me and forced in that swollen, rigid, 
male sex part of him that had to be satisfied. It drove into my tight and resisting flesh, which tore and bled. Now we had done but what we both swore we'd never do. Now we were doomed through all eternity, damned to roast forever, hung upside down and naked over the everlasting fires of hell. Sinners, just as the grandmother had forecasted so long ago. Now I had all the answers. Now there might be a baby. A baby to make us pay in life and not wait for hell at everlasting fires reserved for such as us. We drew apart and stared at each other, our faces numb and pale from shock, and barely as could we speak as we drew on our clothes. He didn't have to say he was sorry. It was all over him. The way he quivered, the way his hands trembled and were so clumsy with his buttons. The end. <laughs> Brava. <laughs> that, I, I, that was hard. That was really hard to get through. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> guys yeah (laughs) you know it's funny like weren't we speculating earlier like did they oh no 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 whether it was rape or not sorry Mm -hmm. i thought we were speculating whether it was sex or not i was like i'm pretty sure it was yeah (laughs) Yeah. but i yeah it's still i mean even it still kind of is like he shoves her down and they're fighting Oh yeah. yeah, guys, it's it's definitely rape. <laughs> it's definitely. It's rape. just that it's romance novel rape, where it's in the end she likes it. <laughs> it doesn't even seem like she likes it. It seems like she thinks she's supposed to like it. That's true. And she likes him, so she gives him a pass. It's true. Yeah, she forgives him, but yeah, she didn't really like it. That and she time. even because later he spies these two servants having sex and he tells her about it and she's shocked that the woman seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they find their mom's like copy of Joy of Sex or something while they're going through her drawers. Some erotic photographs. Yeah. Next to her swan-shaped bed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the swan-shaped bed. There are so many details that are just burned into my brain that, you know... I still yeah. don't uh, like the swan shaped bed, and then it has like a tiny bed at the end for a baby. Yes, it's so weird, I, and I want it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, one of my favorite things that I've seen—not to keep bringing this back to Fifty Shades of Grey—but it's just like the zeitgeist in the moment. But uh, one of my favorite memes that I've seen is like. You know, the the frame from the movie of him saying, like, oh, my desires are unconventional. And she says, so show me. And so somebody did that and then paired it with Milhouse's dad from The Simpsons in his race car bed, (laughs) which I loved so much. But I would like to see that, but with the swan bed. With the swan bed? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really want to make a bunch of Fifty Shades, Flowers in the Attic memes now. (laughs) Please Um, do. We'll link to them at Worst Best Yes, okay. I absolutely will. All right. Yeah, um, that but... never occurred to me, all that crossover in a way. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's great. All these unconventional desires piling mm-hmm. up. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's move on to some would you rather. Um, would you rather have a MILF or be a MILF? Hmm. Oh. Well, when I first saw this question coming down the pipeline, I just... <laughs> 
originally there's the song that came out my freshman year of college <laughs> stacy's mom has got it going on <laughs> so uh I've so you already, already lived, have one i've lived yeah. that reality so <laughs> i guess i would have to go with that i'd rather be a milf I mean, you already are a MILF to your cat. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, not that your cat wants to fuck you, but you're a mother to your cat. Well, and I'd like to fuck you. My cat's friends would like to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works, right? <laughs> um, I also would have to go down into the be a MILF. I mean, like, really, you know, if, if I, I. If people wanted to fuck my mom, like, power to her, you know, <laughs> good for her. But uh, for for the sake of things, I'm going to put that I would, would rather be a MILF, you know, sounds like fun. It's yeah. nice to feel desirable. So, yeah, I, but who are you the mother to in this scenario? Like, do you have a baby? Or? Yeah, sure. Have to be a ba- I don't think you actually have to be a mom to be a MILF. I think you just have to be, like, a woman of a certain age. I see. Yeah. And I'm totally pro kids. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> in in the future when I have children. All right. I would like to be a MILF still, either to my wife or to other attractive women. <laughs> Men can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, t- I totally would want to be a MILF. I don't know. I don't think that, like, having a MILF is something that anybody actually really wants. Well, I mean, Kathy but- does. <laughs> those kids were really into how hot their mom was they yeah and look is... how it turned out for them <laughs> yeah i'm kind of concerned that if my mom were too hot she would want to murder me <laughs> that's right yeah my for vanity mom's... would get in the way my grandmother was totally a milf um like my mom said that when she was like in high school she would have friends over who were guys and they were like all totally into her mom and she was like, God damn it, mom, why do you have to be so hot? So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, I think that having a MILF just sounds troublesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the, the trouble also with being a MILF is like, then does that lead to you becoming like a, a lazy kept woman? But actually, that, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, that's like, what I want out of my life. As soon as I said that, I was like, that's not a problem. Okay, yeah, <laughs> sign me up for being a MILF also. Right? You're talking to the person who was like, no, I, I wish my boyfriend, I would have a boyfriend if it meant that he would buy my workplace. <laughs> like, go for it. Yeah. All right, well, let's get super hot and murder our children. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, next <laughs> up, would you rather be um, an orphan child or in foster care, I guess? Or have a set of personalized 24-karat gold embossed encyclopedias, which is a specific thing that uh, their MILF promises Chris. Like, just as soon as her dad dies, she's going to get him these embossed encyclopedias because he is a nerdy child and is very interested in owning those. (laughs) I would definitely want to be a free orphan child because then I could be the plucky lead of my own middle grade series of novels. So definitely free orphan child for me. I want the encyclopedias. They have gold on them. Mm-hmm. Twenty four karat. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> really. And then I mean, if things get desperate enough, you can pawn them probably. So they are I'm just thinking ahead. Though, so that's gonna oh. limit their well, value. Uh, there's there's someone else out there who won't mind. I mean, you can just scrape the gold off and take that. Yeah, I'm just thinking ahead. Yeah. 
Well, especially if you're in the 70s, you, you don't have the internet, so the encyclopedias are much mm-hmm. more valuable. Yeah, and you, obviously you're living in the attic and you want to be a doctor, and you're convinced that somehow, <laughs> despite the fact that you've, like, never attended school past seventh grade, you can get into med school when you get out. So, mm-hmm. based just entirely on what you've read in encyclopedias. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> this is hard. <laughs> 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 well, because part of me is like, well, free orphan child, you can just, you know, stay in the library after hours and use the Ooh. free internet. But in that this book, you know, was from, are we going like late 70s from when this, like, what a free orphan child's life would be like in that era or a modern day free orphan mm. child? Up to your interpretation. I mean, do they even sell sets of encyclopedias anymore? I doubt it. Well, this, w- this would be personalized, so maybe they're printed on demand. There oh. you go. Mm, that you get on QVC or something. <laughs> uh, gosh, I guess I'll just go free orphan child for the breaking into the library at night and using the internet thing. <laughs> oh, yeah you, yeah, you could totally pull some, like, mixed up files of Miss Baisley, Frank, and Wilder shit there. That would be kind of amazing. Yeah, really. that's exactly it. And I'd sleep on, like, a beanbag chair in the children's <laughs> section and... Yeah, it'd work out. Well, um, I'm going to take the encyclopedias also, because I imagine in the net scenario, it means also that I have this rich, guilty mom who's buying me, like, all the weird <laughs> gifts that I want. <laughs> so I'll take that. All right. Um, and last up, guys, would you rather fuck your brother or fuck someone you found on ChristianMingle.com? Well, obviously, go. our fine sponsors, ChristianMingle.com, <laughs> Obviously, I would be using their services to find the one, a good Christian, moral, I guess, gentleman in this scenario. Thanks, Christian Mingle. Who's still <laughs> willing to have premarital sex. Yeah. Yup. Is that an option on Christian Mingle that you can put on your profile? Is whether to fuck or not your brother? Or- <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether or not you're willing to have premarital sex. You know what? When I, I when I really- when I filled out my profile, I don't um, I don't remember checking it back. <laughs> One of these days, I'm gonna actually open a profile just <laughs> just for I mean, just. I mean, just so that you can like save your name on there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that's important because I think that you know, obviously, your rabid fans are probably gonna want to go and squat on it if you don't. So, right. well, and the thing that I'm afraid of too is I use Hey Jupiter as my name on a lot of stuff after the Tori Amos song. But after Jupiter Ascending, I'm afraid it's going to start, like, getting popular. Ooh, yeah. I anyway, um, as, as I've stated in previous episodes, uh, my brother listens to this podcast, and I don't want to make <laughs> him feel uncomfortable. So uh, <laughs> definitely I'm going to uh, find somebody else on Christian Mingle. Yeah. I think I've reached my capacity of saying embarrassing things about my reading of these books and memory of them. So I'm going to go with the socially acceptable choice of the Christian Mingle. <laughs> because it really is the only option. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, ChristianMingle.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to bring all of us closer to our one true loves who mm-hmm. we're not related to. <laughs> and who also aren't like various father figures of ours as is the mm-hmm. case with Kathy right. <laughs> alright let's move on to readers advisory and um, suggest some other things for people to read instead of or in addition to <laughs> Flowers in the Attic and the rest of the Dallinganger saga 
Um, well, for some reason in my head, I really strongly associate these books with all of the Caroline B. Cooney books. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why. I can only imagine that um, it was because they were also like semi-scandalous reads of my tweenhood. Um, but and, and also right. something kind of in like the prose and the writing style yeah. was vaguely yeah. similar. So I'm going to say that if you enjoyed and want to read more like this to check out things by Caroline B. Cooney. I'm going to call it a specific book that I remember um, grabbing off the paperback spinners at the library. And it's called The Girl in the Box by Ouida Sebastian. I had to look that up. And for some reason in my tween years, I was really captivated by this book. And uh, it's... I don't know why. I mean, I guess for a lot of the similar reasons as Flowers in the Attic, as discussed earlier. But it's the story of a a teenage girl who gets kidnapped, and then she ends up just locked alone in this basement by a guy who doesn't really interact with her at all, and she doesn't really know what's happening. But for some reason, um, she has, like, food and water and a typewriter, and the premise is she's just, like, typing her thoughts as she's, like, trapped in this small room and then pushing them out the window and hoping someone will see them, and that's the premise of the book. I think I read that. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, I was into it. I definitely Mm -hmm. read that. I think you can buy used copies on Amazon for one cent if you'd like to read it. (laughs) That's also um, kind of similar to Room by Emma Donahue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which obviously is a much better book. It's a much better written book. But that's kind of a similar theme to that. Mm Mm-hmm. I would also recommend um, the Tillerman family books by Cynthia Voigt. Mm. I think the first one is called Homecoming. Uh, it's less incesty, but the same sort of yeah. like orphaned siblings struggle to stay together and make a life for themselves in the face of larger issues. Um, and also something that I remember reading when I was around that age. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to recommend, I guess, I don't really recommend this book, but I guess I will say that if you really liked Flowers in the Attic, you might also enjoy A Child Called It. Oh. It's another one that's very commonly stolen from this li- from my library, <laughs> and I think most libraries. It's, I think, to me, I actually read it when I was a teen, probably, and it really upset me. It's, like, one of the few books that has really stuck with me in a really bad way. Like, it makes me really uncomfortable to think about it, and it's really gross to me. But I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of... Well, I think also a lot of um, survivors of abuse enjoy reading it for this sense of, like, overcoming it. But I think a lot of people also like to read it just because it's, like, so fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. I would give an actual positive recommendation to the book What I Saw and How I Lied by, I believe, um, Judy Blundell, Mm -hmm. which is – it's a good book, and it's not – not – very similar plot wise uh, it's about a young girl post world war 2 who she and her family um get involved in this whole scandal when they're kind of on this vacation slash business opportunity and it's all in the lead up of her um going to court to talk about it and whether or not she makes the choice to tell the truth about what happened or to um, fabricate what happened in order to protect her family and their business interests. And it's really good. Um, 
and I recommend it. It does also, I will caution, um, it also has a rape scene in it. So if that's something you're sensitive to, FYI. Yeah. Um, I would second, somebody else wrote this down, but I mean, any VC Andrews book, they're all like that. And I also added Lolita to the list because it's kind of a well, another taboo sex uh, centric perversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know who wrote down Jane Eyre, but I like that a lot. I don't necessarily think that if you love Flowers in the Attic, you're going to like Jane Eyre because they're obviously very different books. But it does have the attic thing. And also uh, in the second book, the doctor who adopts them, who Kathy ends up having this affair with has pretty much a secret attic wife, um, except she doesn't live in the attic. She's in a hospital. She yeah. Like, they were married and they had a kid, but, like, he was very, I guess, not affectionate with her, or she was crazy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she, like, I think she, like, went down to the river and tried to, like, Virginia Woolf herself with their son, and the son died, <laughs> but she lived, and so she's, like, in a hospital in a coma somewhere, but she's alive this whole time. And I think, like, his wife or his – no, his uh, sister ends up telling Kathy about it or something like that. Yeah, I, I put Jane Eyre and Rebecca down, um, and I, they're not a true read-alike, but I think they're both <laughs> – like, a lot of those kind of, like, old, like, gothic, like – Yeah, Wuthering like, Heights. Oh, Wuthering yeah. Heights, big time. Yeah, like, they're definitely, like, predecessors to yeah, this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So you can check out that list and a few others we didn't talk about at worstbestsellers.com. And uh, now we're going to move on to our candy pairing, where we recommend a candy to accompany your experience of reading this book, perhaps while trapped in an attic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll start. Um, My candy pairing for this book is Black Licorice. Um, because much like this book, maybe it was once considered good or exciting, but it's definitely pretty gross and stupid. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I, I couldn't help myself. I had to go with the powdered donuts because they are important to the book, but also you'll eat too many of them anyway, particularly the hostess or, you know, the crappy variety, the vending machine quality. (laughs) You'll, you'll eat them all. You'll feel terrible. You might even be poisoned by them because (laughs) they're just filled with so many unnatural chemicals and you might even die, but you, you'd go eat those donuts again. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Corey. (laughs) Oh, that's what I wrote. (laughs) Yeah, poor Corey. Yeah, mine was uh, Sugar Daddies because they are a product that is essentially marketed to children, as all candy is, <laughs> that happens to have some very weird sexual implications. <laughs> I've always been very uncomfortable with the name of that candy. So definitely for me, what I, I thought about this for a while and all that I kept thinking of was uh, this distinct memory I have when I was a small child. I bit into a Christmas tree ornament that, to me, it looked somehow like candy, and it wasn't. And it had some kind of, like, liquid inside of it, and it it was gross. I can't imagine, like, what it must have been, but I spit it out. And that's just... (laughs) That's how I feel about this book. (laughs) I hope you followed that. (laughs) I 100% just as just as impressionable you know (laughs) all right let's move on to our our favorite game the rock paper snicked where Kate and I will uh say 
who Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Wolverine would be if they were in this book. And our guests will decide um, which one they like better. Or they can choose paper, which is leave the book as is. And this is the first time we played it with two guests. So we'll just go ahead and say you can each, you don't have to come to consensus. You can each make your own decisions here. Thank you. The power is yours. <laughs> All right. I will start. Uh, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be a groundskeeper on the Foxworth estate. He lives out in a uh, cottage on the edge of the property away from the house because he thinks the family is all cuckoo bananas. But they're just an old couple and they're mostly harmless these days. So whatever. And he's surprised when their estranged daughter returns and quietly checks in with her to make sure she's okay. Um, Satisfied that she is okay, he keeps on living his life and going about his job until one day he wakes up in the middle of the night hearing splashing in the lake. So he goes out and he sees two teenagers swimming in their underwear. And at first he thinks it must be some kids from town pulling a prank. But when he catches them, it's clear they look just like Corrine. And they tell him the whole story. So he's super appalled. And he marches straight into the house. And he rescues Corey and Carrie as well. And he takes all four of them away and immediately puts them in therapy and takes them to the hospital and integrates them with children their own age. (laughs) What a good guy he is. (laughs) all right well where i've decided wolverine would fit in is a moment we didn't really discuss but um very early on in the book uh the the kids and their mom take the train from their old house to get to the grandma's and it lets them out in like the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere it's like not even really a station there's just kind of like a bench and the the conductor is like really nervous about letting them off there and you know the mom is finally just like you know, she's real bitchy about it, and finally he gives up and lets her go. So I've decided that would be Wolverine, and he's, like, very reluctant about it. But, you know, she does convince him that she has a plan, and so he decides to just kind of let it go. Um, but meanwhile, while while the course of Flowers in the Attic is happening, Wolverine has adopted a separate plucky young orphan who was stowed away on the train, And they have their own adventures that would be covered in another four-book saga, which would be written by V.C. Andrews' ghostwriter after original V.C. dies. (sighs) I'm going to vote Rock. I'm going to vote Rock because I think that he's a good guy. And I think he's probably better than the creepy sex doctor who actually ends (laughs) up saving them. (laughs) God. Can I pick both? Because I think it would be great if, like, the rock has to come back in the new series to you know be like i thought i solved this before and he has to come back and help with i'm sorry you can only choose one uh i guess i'm gonna have to go with with wolverine yeah a a tie a tie i i will admit when i was writing my rock for this uh, installment of the game it was very hard to not tie it into Renata's description of Wolverine uh, in her entry and turn it into a crossover fan fiction <laughs> where the, uh, and the Dalin and Ganginger Berger children <laughs> meet up with Wolverine and his plucky orphan and all go on adventures together in their big blended family oh that's See? amazing oh yeah we'd read that that's beautiful <laughs> absolutely art Okay. Oh, side note, I have to ask, have has anybody looked into whether there is flowers in the attic? I mean, I'm sure there's flowers in the attic fan fiction. 
I've just never looked into it, but I'm, I'm just sure curious. there is. I'm going to pull that up in a tab right now while um, you guys talk about what you think the moral of the story is. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the moral of the story is that rich people are nuts. <laughs> Mine is that if you are obsessed with Hellfire and Satan Spawn and Devil's Issue and every other euphemism for products of incest, your kids are going to end up having sex with each other. Uh, mine is that you should teach your children some sex ed other than your bodies are evil because we've learned that both from this book and from real life. It does not work. Um, my moral book. my moral is don't fuck your uncle. <laughs> and there are 17 works on Archive of Our Own and for Flowers in the Attic. But the first one is a Flowers in the Attic arrow crossover <laughs> about Oliver and Thea as the main pairing. I bet um, way further down, awesome. there is a Flowers in the Attic supernatural fusion where it seems uh, the supernatural brothers are put into the situation from Flowers in the Attic to the same conclusion as the book, which is, you know, they fuck each other. Also, there is a poem called Catherine and Christopher Dahl that is 69 words long. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Um, good morals, everybody. Now we're going to go ahead and turn it over to Duarte's Corner where I give my cat Duarte a moment to share his thoughts on the book. I never really gave thought to the way that Mickey the Mouse died, and that was such a lost opportunity for a cat murder scene. But it, it was that makes troubling, sense. Yeah. Well, and they yeah. had there were other mice too. I mean, those kids really could have used a cat. It's a good insight. Yeah, that's a really well, good point. Duarte, there's obviously a lot of room for flowers in the attic fan fiction on Ao3. <laughs> so why don't you go and you you know write your own chapter of flowers in the attic about their cat buddy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also, I think when Wolverine and Dwayne the Wreck Johnson rescue the children, they could probably have a cat on the train, too. Yes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Um, any closing thoughts from the humans? Um, oh, I did want to tell the story about how I sent pictures of flowers in the attic to my boyfriend, and he still loves me. I thought that was... <laughs> I thought that was nice. Uh, when I first started talking to him was when I was reading Flowers in the Attic. This was just last year. And uh, I would, like, stay up late reading it. And um, I would take pictures of my Kindle of the worst parts, just, like, of the creepiest parts in the second book. And I would send them to him. And he was like, why are you doing this to me? And I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to impress you. <laughs> and it works. So if you want to snag yourself a man who you're not related to, I recommend it. Right on, right on. Yeah, might work if you want to snag a man who you are related to, too. It might be a little on the nose, though. Yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, I found this crazy book. What do you think? <laughs> you have to, like, play it off. Like, oh, I think it's so crazy, but I don't know. It, it would be every interaction that George, Michael, and maybe have. <laughs> oh god but, someone needs to write that someone needs to write flowers in the attic arrested dangerous. development fan fiction uh, <laughs> all right yes. well <laughs> on, on that note um thanks for listening please uh like us on facebook follow us on twitter at worst bestseller rate and review us on itunes and stitcher um 
if you don't, I think it's it's a sin, honestly. <laughs> Just yeah. yeah, definitely. You'll hang upside down <laughs> over a fiery pit. God gave you an internet connection for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's this. Yeah. <laughs> you can also email us at worstbestsellers at gmail.com. Um, but as a warning, we are scheduled through the end of the year with many, many fine, terrible books to read and review for you. Uh, so if you do have a suggestion for us, just know that it probably won't be appearing until 2016. Guys, we're so popular. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me personally on Twitter at 14 across. You can follow me at Snurdy, which is an anagram of my last name, not as snurdy as people keep saying it is. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am at Babe Gladwallers on Twitter. I'm not very funny on there. I'm much funnier on Tumblr where I am ambn.tumblr.com. <laughs> Excellent. All right, um, Stacy and Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. We've appreciated your expertise. We will be back in two weeks with Not Cool, The Hipster Elite and Their War on You by Greg Gutfield. I mean, if we survive the onslaught of the hipsters, it's, yes. it's possible in the next two day, in the next two weeks we'll be found dead by skinny jeans. <laughs> or if we survive the continued onslaught on Boston by this weather, which is... <laughs> a lot of possibilities so yes. 75 degrees alive, in Texas we'll... right now just saying it again I'm fine I'll live <laughs> eat a dick <laughs> <laughs> bye everybody thanks for listening bye 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 Thanks, ChristianMingle.com.